0: the redshirt collective
1: a star trek watch along podcast where we analyze and talk about all seven seasons of star trek the next generation from a radical leftist perspective
0: so energize with earl gray tea and chocolate from the replicator
1: set your phasers to fun
0: and prepare to engage ready captain
1: yes captain make it, it so welcome aboard hey nick hey mike so uh, what are we talking about this week?
0: <laughs> so today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 4, The Last Outpost, the hmm. one in which Star Trek does an anti-Semitism.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, well, boy, following on from last week, it just almost seems like we could have predicted that.
0: <laughs> it just keeps getting better and better. Ooh, Season 1 is a slog, but uh, <laughs> let's let's get into it, shall we?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right, so see, uh, episode four opens with the Enterprise in pursuit of a starship of Ferengi design. The Ferengi, for those who have paid attention through the most almost inscrutable shenanigans of the last three episodes, May have picked up uh, on the Ferengi being alluded to a few times. So the scene has been set for the crew to meet up with this mysterious and powerful species at last. Original plans for the series were for the Ferengi to be the big bad. um, And then that ended up being changed to the Borg. Thank God.
1: That's a fun fact. I was not aware of that.
0: Yeah, there's been a a lot of buildup, you know, a lot of mystery being sprinkled about about these these people, and then I feel like this episode <laughs> does not cash in on that at all. Uh, so, Picard, via voiceover, informs us that they are on a mission to recover a Federation-owned T9 power converter that the Frangie <laughs> stole from K- Kamatari 4.
1: That's. I'm sorry, but all I can think of is... Luke Skywalker, but I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. <laughs> I, know.
0: I just kept yelling power converter to myself <laughs> while I was watching this episode. Because they talk about the power converter so much too. And I'm just like, you guys... Uh, it's just
1: such a catch-all sci-fi term. The power it really converter, is. you know, because
0: you're like, oh yeah, a power yeah, converter. Th-
1: yeah, that seems like <laughs> an important thing. Yeah, <laughs> you better get that back from the Ferengi
0: quick. You got to. That's what I was thinking about too. I'm like, what piece of equipment have they stolen? Where they've sent the Enterprise out? To, like, chase them down to go get it back. Just the whole premise seems really ridiculous, but...
1: Yeah, and also, I mean, we should mention in the recap that it's it's dubious whether or not it's actually been stolen, you know, which comes up later in the episode, so...
0: The crew comes upon the Frankie ship and Picard remarks upon its impressive design, which to me looks like a tricked-out horseshoe crab. Although, later, to be fair, we do find out that it's backwards. It ends up turning around, so this is the back of it that looks this way.
1: It's a little surf and turf, you know?
0: (laughs) It's very surf and turf. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Data and Picard discuss that the Frangi are about as equally technologically advanced um, as, you know, humans in Starfleet, though their technology may differ from one another. Um, so there's this weird conversation about how they're roughly equals, but that the Frankie probably have technology that Starfleet doesn't have and vice versa. I guess this is alluding to events that happen, but it just seemed very clunky and unnecessary to me.
1: As, as with most of the first four episodes of season one so far. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know, shocker, just Plunky. so out of character yeah. for early seasons writing. Uh, so the Frankie ship suddenly fires on the Enterprise without warning, doing mostly electromagnetic damage. Picard orders the crew not to return fire, stating that the Frangie are only reacting to being pursued, which is interesting to me considering how fucking aggro they get in other situations, but in this one, they were being like so diplomatic. He commands that the Enterprise fall back, but stay with, you know, continue to follow the Frangie ship. The Frangie ship turns around. This is where we (laughs) get the turf. And perhaps to attack but then the enterprise becomes aware that their systems are all failing and they eventually lose power altogether well not altogether but like it,
1: that was odd they they never really quite explained that but you know it's best it's best to not ask too many questions in early early season 1 <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's kind of you just have to sort of let the episodes flow over you You know, you can't like you can't really pay attention to them. You just sort of have to let them just wash over you. The crew assumes that this loss of power is the Ferengi's doing, and they start to become concerned, like, wow, maybe they have technology that far exceeds ours. Maybe we were wrong about us being equals. And they sort of just sit helplessly awaiting their next move. Deanna Troy, (laughs) of course. Can't sense anything from the Frangie. Um, but she speculates, so she speculates that they can shield their thoughts from others, but offers to Picard that the Frangi know as little about us as we know about them. This is um, like a Hermione Granger mm-hmm. episode because Deanna Troy like always has to, her powers always have to be inconvenienced in some way because like she would just always be able to solve everything right. if they right. worked.
1: I I did feel like she had that, like, special privilege in this episode of getting to be the the consistent voice of reason in, like... Because basically, like, all the commanding officers were acting like walking penises, you know? They were just, like ah, me do stuff. And and you know, and, and Troy was like, hmm, you know, it's possible they might be frightened. It's possible they might have some of the same questions we have. It's possible you don't need to be an asshole right from the get. So, you know, it's I did feel like Troy kind of shined a bit in this episode, but only because they put idiots in charge. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think she I think she did shine in this episode as like someone mm-hmm. like a good diplomat. You know, like someone who has like a good head on her shoulders and can read situations really well. It's just funny how often they have to um they have to cancel out her powers yeah. because they they're like, "Oh shit, our entire episode hinges on them not knowing what's going on." Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's like, yeah, I'm glad. I think a lot of times, honestly, those are the episodes where she's written the best mm-hmm. because then she gets gets to just be like an intelligent professional. Yeah. Whereas like the episodes where her powers really are front and center, she's ridiculous. Like pain, yeah. pain, loneliness. That's a really good <laughs> point. That's when we point. get those episodes.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Like she actually gets to shine when her powers are not the focus, when she actually has character and it also, yeah. it, 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 but it's also interesting too, just thinking about that, that she, her powers get to shine also as they're juxtaposed to just the complete idiocy of, yes. of some of the commanding officer's decisions too. So it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, Art imitating life, I guess, in that sense, <laughs> but uh, yeah.
0: Right. Like, it's kind of annoying that she's there to do that, like, female labor yep being like now now boys let's think about this but it is also probably realistic so yeah yeah well what are you gonna do what are you
1: gonna do back to back to the back to the Ferengi what's going on
0: here (laughs) back to the (laughs) Ferengi desperate for information Picard and Riker menacingly surround Data in a weird display of machismo (laughs) to demand he give them whatever knowledge he has on the Ferengi (laughs) <laughs> uh, we'll talk about this later, yeah. but the the vibes in this episode were so weird, right? and the editing was so weird. Yeah. Oh, anyway, so Data's you know scans his data logs and says that the reports are disparate and often conflicting, but those that don't conflict describe the Frankie as traitors modern scholars apparently likening them to Yankee traders from Earth's history.
1: As you would, of course, likening everything to Earth's history right around the 18th century. (laughs) Always. Always, you know.
0: That's the only time apparently in the entire universe that anything's Mm -hmm. ever happened.
1: Yeah, them and the Chinese.
0: (laughs) 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 This episode was like, what is going on? Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, clarifying for Riker, Data says the comparison was made on the worst quality of capitalists and... Hmm, All of them? (laughs) Yeah, all of them. (laughs) And that the Frankie conduct themselves on the principle of buyer beware. Riker bafflingly says he likes the sound of Yankee traders, even after Data explained that it means that they're, you know, the worst quality of capitalists. Um... (laughs) And then Data makes a very awkwardly written statement about Uncle Sam in response. And then Riker tromps down to engineering to see what's going on. It was such a very bizarre scene. It was
1: so weird. (laughs) Yeah, and they talked about, like, colors and nationalism. And I was like, this episode, like, I mean, spoiler alert, but this episode had no idea where it was going or what its purpose was.
0: None. This episode realized in the last 10 minutes That it had like basically another episode to do. Yeah, it was a mess. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you said that too because I feel like at the end you're like, and then it ends. (laughs) You're like, wait, what? What
0: what is happening?
1: And yeah, there was some like some like late eighties, early nineties era attempt at feminism in there, and then they were like, (laughs) "Okay, we're out, guys. We we solved it here. Um, You put your women in clothes. Okay, we're out of here."
0: It was also like (laughs) late eighties attempt at like philosophy, where you're like,
1: "Oh my god, it was so bad."
0: Like it's like, "Okay, we get it. You read the art of war. Like we we get it." (laughs)
1: Again, there's this this like one fictional dude in this, and it's definitely a dude, in this writer's room who's like, guys, guys, (laughs) guys, guys, I read this book by Sun Tzu. Have you heard of this book? You've never heard, it's called The Art of War, I swear to God, you've never heard of it. It's so good. Guys. Bro, it's so good, (laughs) bro. (laughs) (laughs) Because that guy shows up in every episode so far, like, he's always like this one guy who's like, guys, I'm so fucking deep, like- (laughs) Art of War. He's like, motherfuckers.
0: Wait, have you heard of? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you everything you don't know about this.
1: Yeah, and guys, it's deep because honestly, it's from China. Yeah. So like, I'm really deep that I know that.
0: Yeah, the Orientalism is still going quite strong. Oh,
1: so strong in this episode, and yeah, and who whoever was like hired those the Frankie actors or was directing them, I should say rather. Um, the actress who played the Ferengi, was like definitely like leaning hard into that imagery as well. Mm-hmm. Which, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah.
0: In engineering, Riker and LaForge cook up a scheme to escape by abruptly jumping to max warp, a maneuver I feel like they use in every other episode, but always mm-hmm. as if it's the first time they've ever thought about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Woo-wee, as Geordi <laughs> would say. <laughs> that, did I get that right? Was it a woo-ee?
0: It was a woo E, yes. <laughs> I was like, you know, I have never been so animated in your entire
1: life. <laughs> I know, I know. I do love, I actually do love the way that LaForge was written in this episode, because I was like, again, back to the directing, I was like, this director had, was this episode directed by like four different people? <laughs> and like, okay, LaForge, you're just like the, you know, you're just like the witty, silly guy who's just always saying things like, woo
0: Let's, <laughs> let's show those Ferengi what we got. He never does that again in the entire series. No, no, it's like no. this one episode, he does it and that's it. And it was like, this yeah. is so random. I did love yeah. the energy though. But yeah, that was one, yes, of my, one of my notes was that it felt like some actors were like kicking it up and trying to have a personality and other actors were still, because like the the acting in season one is very wooden. All around. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so some actors are still like extremely wooden, like Riker, who he's talking to, (laughs) but then LeVar Burton all of a sudden is like woo wee.
1: (laughs) I love I love I love me some LeVar Burton. I mean he he saved this episode. Like his some of his lines just really him and Data being like (laughs) nothing to write home about. (laughs) Like those two things made this entire episode oh. worth watching. If you watch this episode for no other reason, watch it so you can hear LaForge go woo
0: wee <laughs> and see him too. Because, like, he brings a whole physicality yeah. to it that's like beautiful, it's just amazing.
1: There was a little bit of reading Rainbow coming out in that scene. Oh, yeah, I gotta say, yeah, he was like, okay. Guys,
0: I'm gonna spice it up today, we're gonna have some fun. <laughs> And then uh, Jonathan Frakes is like, absolutely not. I'm still going to just stand here and act like I'm half dead.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Frakes was like, yeah, I was like, dude, why? How did you get this job? I mean, honestly, this episode was not his finest moment.
0: As per usual, up on the bridge, Worf is recommending that they fight and Picard is totally dismissing him. (laughs) <laughs> Picard sends a message to the Frangi demanding that they return the stolen power converter and then orders the sudden warp maneuver, which of course does not work. It never does.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Suddenly, all the consoles show that someone or something is reading all of their files and Troy helpfully points out that with all the focus on the ship, they've ignored the planet.
1: Yeah, which was sort of out of nowhere, but I mean, like more on that again later. This, this whole yeah. episode is out of nowhere.
0: <laughs> it really is. Uh, that should have been the name of the episode. Out of Nowhere. Out of Nowhere. Mm. Yeah, and I guess I failed to mention this, but they're hovering um, actually below a planet, which is weird to say, but that's what it looked like. Um, so this whole time when they met up for, with the Frankie ship, they're like right outside of this planet that they have to this point completely ignored. Yeah, So, back in the observation lounge, the senior officers discuss next moves. Yet again, Picard gruffly tells Worf and Yar that any kind of aggression is impractical and provocative. (laughs) Choi defends the frangies, saying that though they did fire on the ship, they were only firing on an unknown ship that had been chasing them, which is a reasonable response.
1: One of the only reasonable things that was said in this entire episode.
0: (laughs) I know. (laughs)
1: <laughs> like, like Troy was the only believable character in the episode because I, I was like, right, wouldn't that naturally be like, like, wouldn't you be like, hmm, you know, if you are chasing someone and they don't know who you are. Yeah. Anyway.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's like with Tasha, you know, Ta- Tasha Yar was like, oh, firing on us is an act of war. Right. And it's like. Um, yeah, dude, but, like, they don't—they're not part of the Federation. They don't—like, part of this whole episode is around the fact that the Frangi, like, no one has made contact with them before. They know very little about them. So, like, this is really important, which is very—maybe we can get into how bizarre it is that your first contact is going to be to try to recover stolen items from them.
1: This—honestly— I mean, I was, the vibe that I was getting, of course we should get into this later, but the vibe I was getting was anti-indigenous sentiment. In this episode, it was very, um, if you'll excuse the terminology, it was very cowboys and Indians. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, kind of like an American 1950s Western um, more than anything else. And I found that really coming through way too strongly in this episode.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. So yeah, for your art to be like, because the thing is, like, I hate how the security officers are written because yeah. they are ridiculous. You know, yeah. like, they're one note. They always just want to fight. And it's like, that's not what a security officer does. A security officer right. mitigates risk. That's right. what they do. Right. So anyway, but yeah, Yar was like, they fired on us. It's an act of war. And it's like, well, it, that's not an act of war if they don't have any kind of relationship or agreement with you. And you're just this ship that's chasing them out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Especially based on, like, something that may or may not have even happened.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just feeling a real strong, like, defund the security officers um, theme (laughs)
0: right
1: now. We need to to redirect those resources to Counselor (laughs) Troy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's too good. Yes.
1: Yes. All right. So, anyway, here we are in the observation lounge.
0: Here we are (laughs) having this ridiculous conversation. So, Troy then recommends talking to the Frangi, and when Picard gruffly says that he's tried that, she replies, "But did we tell them anything they wanted to hear?" to which Picard looks a bit chagrined. No one else has any suggestions, and Picard stares stoically out a window after making a very bizarre vague statement about avoiding the option that leads to total annihilation.
1: What was that supposed to mean? I
0: Dude, I don't know. It was like, what, do you both have nukes now? Like, what are yeah. we talking about?
1: Yeah, oh my god. Anyway. It's very
0: weird. Picard returns to the bridge and sends a message insinuating to the Ferengi that they are considering surrender, requesting the Ferengi's terms. The Ferengi ship starts to move, and the Enterprise crew await a fatal attack, but then a message from the Ferengi reveals that the Ferengi think that Picard's message was a demand for the Ferengi surrender, not an offer to surrender the other way around. The crew realizes that the Ferengi ship has also been seized and that they are not the cause of the Enterprise's power failure. Picard demands visual communication and eventually gets it, and we meet the Ferengi face-to-face, or face-to-teeth, for the first time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I was like, the amount of teeth that I'm getting shoved in my face right now is unnecessary. So Ferengi Damon Tar calls all the humans ugly, which never fails to make me laugh. I, I know.
1: I loved that. I quite
0: enjoy that.
1: I know. <laughs> I was like, at least they got something right in this episode. So <laughs> yeah. Like, I love that the Ferengi are like, oh my God, you people are disgusting. <laughs> Why did you make me look at you?
0: <laughs> and I know the joke is that like the Ferengi are ugly, so it's like- funny that they're calling the humans ugly but for some reason it's like uh ugly bags of mostly water It just every time aliens call humans ugly it makes me laugh
1: it strikes the right chord though for star trek i think when they're like when they're like hey you know think about it guys you are not so beautiful you know by any like arbitrary just look
0: weird to someone else who doesn't look like you yeah exactly
1: i I, so i do love that
0: i do too (laughs) Um, and then Tar states that they will surrender the T9 power converter and the life of their second officer, as is their custom. Data makes a weird and <laughs> obvious comment to LaForge that it's lucky that Starfleet has no such custom. <laughs> as the camera zooms in wildly on the side of his head when he leans over to say it. It's just so weird.
1: You know, listening to you recap this episode is making me realize just how fucking weird this whole episode
0: is. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. a really weird episode. Oh. In another bizarre scene, the senior officers go back to the observation lounge to discuss what to do, and they stumble upon two small children that are in there playing with some of the decorations. Riker, in what seems like a pure panic, yells at the kids to get out while he manhandles the shit out of them, stopping just short of picking them up and like physically throwing them out of the room himself. He then exclaims everyone's fa- favorite rapist manifesto, boys will be boys, to Picard, who seems not to really give a fuck at all.
1: That scene sent me through the fucking roof. <laughs> right? I was like, what the fuck did you just say? And also, I was just like, you know, the, all the clunky like attempts at like feminist rhetoric, I was like, oh my God, like no, Star Trek, you just, you should, th- ugh. I hate, yeah. I hate that phrase. I hate it.
0: Well, and it's also a bizarre, the show seems bizarrely obsessed with like us really understanding that Picard doesn't like kids. And it's like- I know. We we get it. We got it from the first episode when you said that. And then we also saw how he treated Wesley. Like we understand. Yeah. So yeah, it was just very weird. It was like, oh my God, guys, we have to do something this episode to like remind everyone Picard hates kids.
1: Yeah. In the most basic way.
0: Yeah. In the most absolute basic way. And it also, um, the Riker's behavior to me was very like abused person behavior Mm. when you're like terrified that this other person's going to get upset. So you overreact to things. Yeah. And like Picard didn't even seem to care. He just like walked in the room. He didn't, I don't know. It was just very weird.
1: (laughs) I know. It was so weird. Like, why are the kids in there anyway? Which I was like, that's bizarre. How did they even get in?
0: Like, anyone can just go
1: in there. But it's it's just, it's it's just even a misunderstanding by the very people who wrote the character of, like, what Picard's feelings around children are. Like, Picard, it, his whole thing is he's awkward around them. Like, he wants yeah. to, like, be likable and fatherly, but he doesn't really know how. And so he's awkward and clunky and then ends up just getting pissed off. But mostly at himself, not at the kids, but it comes out mm-hmm. as, like... You know, so, like, even the way that scene was written, I was like, okay, like, do you, did you not, like understand who this character is anyway.
0: Right. <sighs> and the no children on the bridge seems like it would be Starfleet policy, not like the right. cards policy. Like who the fuck would let kids be on the bridge?
1: Right, exactly. That's yeah.
0: ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm right there with you. So as the team discusses what's going on, uh Data gets his finger stuck in a Chinese finger trap that was left by the trespassing children. Uh, it was funny the first time I saw it, but also highly improbable that he'd be fooled by such a thing. Yeah. This episode, Data was so human. It was like, yes. it was funny, but it was also annoying. Like, okay, yes. guys, you know, you've gone a little bit too far of <sighs> just not even knowing how to rate this character at all. Yep. So after Picard yells at Data to get his shit together and freeze him from the finger trap, Data tells the crew that the planet that they're hovering below used to be the home to used to be home to a very advanced species, but now shows no signs of life or sentience on the planet. Their probe comes back and shows that it is indeed the planet that is holding their ships hostage. Hooray for Troy! Hmm. Picard decides to take an away team down to the surface and to invite the Ferengi to join them as a sign of goodwill.
1: Can I I just mention a missed opportunity here? And maybe I I just totally misunderstood the entire episode here, but you know when Data's got his finger stuck in the finger trap, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I so for some reason I I have a vivid memory of watching this episode 4 p.m. Channel Four KXLY with my <laughs> in syndication with my older brother <laughs> probably eating some popcorn, and I thought that they realized that the ships are in a Chinese finger trap situation, and that's how they get out of it, and that's not at all what happens. So I know. apparently, like <laughs> apparently, like my eight to ten year old self, who is not was not a genius by any stretch of the imagination, was able to put together that you put the finger trap in there so that they can suss out what's going on with the ships. But that doesn't at all happen. And i I had so like internalized that that I thought in the episode I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this one. That's when they realized the ships are caught in a Chinese finger trap situation. I'm like, oh, mm, nope. Apparently, that's not that's not at all what happens.
0: Which is why the last ten minutes make no sense. Because, I know. <laughs> yes, like it would have made it would have made perfect narrative sense for it to be. Oh shit, we're stuck in this situation. We don't trust each other. Our meeting, you know, like our first encounter with each other has been really aggressive and weird. But the only way we're gonna get out of this is by like moving towards one another and like working together
1: right just
0: like the finger trap right <laughs> but I, instead no it's we have to go down to this planet and talk to this fucking weirdo wizard and like t- tell him about the art of war and then he's like cool <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs>
1: right <laughs> i know seven. i know okay well thank you i'm feeling validated because i was like I was just like, Wait like a you minute. Said,
0: Not only did this feel like it had four different directors, but it also felt like it had, it felt almost like a game of telephone with the script. Like someone would write the intro and then like pass it or not even telephone. What's that game? Oh, what is the name of that game?
1: Where you you, like
0: say something and then someone has to continue it.
1: Yeah, that's telephone.
0: No, they have to repeat it.
1: Yeah. Isn't that Telephone.
0: Yeah, they repeat it and then it gets different. But then, anyway, this does not matter. Yeah, it feels like the writers' room. They just like were like, "Oh, I I wrote three paragraphs. Now you take over." Right. I just had no consistency whatsoever.
1: Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like a ghost story where like you you like say like three parts of it, and then it passes on yeah. to the next kid, and then. Yeah,
0: or like improv, <sighs> where you're like, "Oh, yeah. I say a sentence, and then you say the next sentence," and right. every, everyone's just like, "Yes, and right, and so it's right, like finger right. traps, yes, and also portal wizards."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, or or like, or it was like Michael Scott was playing in this one, and he was oh, like,
0: God. "I've got a gun,"
1: <laughs> <laughs> or an <Yeah>. electrified whip. <laughs> It looks like the a sex toy. Whips. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, I have thoughts on those. Anyway, we're, we're yeah. never going to finish this recap. Right no, now.
0: we're not. <laughs> it's okay. The whole episode will just be the recap with uh, extended exactly. <laughs> commentary. Uh, <sighs> so, Tar reveals that the Frankies probe has also come back, and they know that the Enterprise is not the one holding them in place, so the surrender is off. Picard and Tar have an unnecessarily aggressive conversation that paints the Ferengi as hostile and also childish. Mm-hmm. And they finally agree to go down to the surface together as equals to investigate.
1: It's
0: <sighs> <laughs> just, just a sad sigh.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, that, that, that was like very original series when they got down yeah. to the planet. I was like, hello, William Shatner, where are you? <laughs>
0: I know. Yeah. I was waiting for him to pop out from behind one of those like foam crystals that they had everywhere. Yeah. <clears throat> Due to the hostile environment on the planet, the team is separated. Once they beam down, the Frankie, who I guess did not get separated or were able to recoup faster, attack them. Attack the crew uh, immediately with their energy whips, rendering <laughs> Worf, Riker, That's Data, and LaForge
1: unconscious. the most, Forge, the most unconscious. thing we've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, were you attacked by the energy whip? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got knocked out by an energy whip last night. I don't know what I was doing oh back on the ship we see that the pa- power failure is starting to affect the support systems and the crew is in danger of dying up on the planet the ferengi steal the away team's communicators because they look like gold <laughs> taste like gold which uh, i guess we'll talk about later mm-hmm. um Riker wakes up and makes a big speech while Dana and Worf pop up and attack the Ferengi. Yar pops up out of nowhere with a phaser and gets the Ferengi under control. The Ferengi then proceed <laughs> to talk about the female who is forced to wear clothing and how disgusting it is. <laughs> Not only that she's clothed, but also yet again that she is a woman with a job. It's just blowing their minds.
1: I, I know, I love how th- that, that's the mark of progressivism Mm-hmm. In, like, you know, in 1989, it's like, what? A woman <laughs> who can walk by herself <laughs> and do a job? And Star Trek, like, again, the guys in the writer room are like, dude, you know, this is a feminist manifesto right here. You know? Yeah, they're like, and, like, we crushed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: well, and it also seems to be the message is that, like, hey, just uh, liberate your women and then they can work and then you can sleep with them yeah like they're they're working right next to you so you can just like sleep with your co-workers it's great yeah <laughs> it's almost like a reverse me too of like oh no we just need to end you know like sexism and then it's like cool for everyone to fuck each other at work
1: right right yeah and how many times is like tasha yar's first time on scene or like you know first entry into a scene with other characters like what a woman you yeah. know yeah.
0: And also how attractive she is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's uh.
0: like, what? A woman who's working? And also, a oh you know?
1: It's like. The- <laughs> it's like the cartoon eyeballs <laughs> popping out, you know? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Oh, my gosh.
0: So, yet again, cannot <sighs> blame, uh, I think Denise Crosby is her name, cannot blame her for leaving the show.
1: No, no. In fact, congr- we should be congratulating her.
0: <laughs> we really should. That honestly was, like, such a good self-care moment, mm-hmm. and we should all learn from that. hmm Oh, my God. So back on the ship, things are getting worse. Picard asks Dr. Crusher where her sweet baby boy Wesley is, and she admits to wanting to give him a sedative so that he could sleep his way into death.
1: Which was dark.
0: <laughs> that was very dark. Although I was like here for it because I love dark shit.
1: I know, but I was like, man, like the the, the whole mood of the episode took a turn there. It's like,
0: well, we have, yeah, like,
1: you know, penis, electric penis whips, you know, down on, like, Planet High School musical set piece. And like, all of a sudden back to, like, Dr. Crusher being like, I want to give my son a sedative so he doesn't realize he's dying. It's like, oh, that, that escalated <laughs> rather quickly.
0: Yeah. A little bit of tonal whiplash there. Yeah. So, of course, Picard admonishes her, telling her that Wesley has the right to meet Death Awake. And Beverly, who I know, Beverly, who always has the best quips for Jean Luc, asks him if that's a male perspective, dripping with just condescension. To which he replies, rubbish, in a very weird tone, and then walks away. I actually had to turn on my subtitles to be like, is that what he said? He kind of like half whispers it and just kind of walks away. And I was like, this is very bizarre. Like, I don't know what this was saying. But I know, because it seemed like, to be Crusher's like line the feminist vibes of the episode. Like,
1: I know. Yeah, because Crusher's line was like the best line of the episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, she's oh. like, is
1: that some toxic masculinity?
0: Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. I thought it was so good where she's like, is that the male perspective? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes, yeah. bitch, call him out on his shit. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Down on the planet, LaForge figures out that the whole planet has been turned into a power accumulator. woo The writer's-
1: Sorry I couldn't help myself
0: (laughs) Uh, The writers (laughs) realize that there's only 10 minutes left in the episode so suddenly a ghostly face appears and energy swirls (laughs) and demands the barbarians to speak asking who meets the challenge, who will it be (laughs) The ghostly face announces itself as Portal 63, Mm. Mm. a guardian of the long dead to Khan Empire, and then appears at the other end of the bridge as a humanoid figure looking cheap and ragged with terrible costuming and makeup.
1: A biped? Hmm, how convenient. Or something like that, he <laughs> <Yes>. says.
0: <laughs> uh, Portal 63 seems to not know that their empire was extinguished by a supernova hundreds of thousands of years ago. The Frangi claim that the humans who have informed Portal of this fact are being deceptive and offer to slaughter the crew on the planet and the ship, the Enterprise, for return of their starship. They try to make a case for how awful humans are in a very desperate and, like, transparent way.
1: In a very season one, episode one type of way, do you
0: mean? (laughs)
1: Uh, I even thought the, the, the face, the, the portal face that first appeared had like a very distinctly Q voice to it. And I was like, what? Yes. I was kind of confused for a minute. Anyway.
0: It was like, we literally just did this three yeah. episodes ago. Like, why are we doing this again?
1: Yeah. Because they realized they had 10 minutes left.
0: That's why, right. like you said. <laughs> but again, like if you realize you have 10 minutes left, why not just stick with the narrative that you were already telling? Why add in this whole new I know. thing that makes no sense anyway? Uh, Portal 63 declares them all barbarians and challenges Riker by twiddling his poleaxe at him, almost him in the ear, and then is very impressed when Riker didn't flinch at it. In a totally nonsensical (laughs) sequence, Riker somehow passes this challenge by answering, fear is the true enemy, the only enemy, to the thought prompt, he will triumph when knows when to fight and when not to fight. Portal turns into a nutty professor by reading Riker's mind and hearing a bunch of Sun Tzu quotes from The Art of War, proving himself to be a total theory bro. Mm -hmm. Portal casually releases the ships as if he wasn't just about to kill hundreds, if not thousands of people for no reason, Mm -hmm. and everyone is saved in the nick of time. We get some weird sexual tension between Crusher and Picard as they realize the power's back on.
1: I thought she was going to go full in on him and she reaches <laughs> over to check his pulse. I was like, whoa. It, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought he'd be twiddling Doctor. his pole axe about that later on in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a moment.
0: <laughs> I, uh, someday I'll rant about the way that Star Trek does like relationships and shipping oh. and how oh, annoying yeah. it is. Cause that's what happens is like, there will be nothing. And then there will be a moment like that. And you're like, Oh, I guess we're supposed to like ship Crusher and Picard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: but like there's no continuity to it you no, know none it just comes up randomly it's just very mm-hmm. bizarre it is and very i found bizarre. It annoying as someone who likes to <sighs> know if i should root for a couple or not i just always found that and um Riker and troy like just very frustrating very although i do like their i do like Riker and troy's relationship in later seasons as it got mm-hmm. more Like, they actually fleshed it out and explained what was going on. But early seasons is just like, what is going on with everyone? Why is everyone so horny but, like, not having sex? It's weird.
1: Yeah, I think Riker and Troy got better after they fired the Art of War guy. (laughs) 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 I'm just making this up. Like, random made-up trivia (laughs) by Mike. (laughs) Okay. Anyway.
0: saucer.sep at gmail.com. That's
1: right, (laughs) saucer.sep. Sauce.sep. Sauce.sep.
0: Sauce.sep.
1: Yeah.
0: Riker and Portal chat about the fate of the Frankie, with Portal super casually offering to kill them. But Riker's like, no, nah, dog, let them live. They remind us of like a super long time ago. And Por- Portal's like, <laughs> chill, bro. I'm going to go back to sleep then. Smell you later. And Riker smizes into the horizon as he watches Portal walk away. And then back on the ship, we end with Riker getting permission to beam a box of finger traps over to the Fringi.
1: Oh, that was so, that was like so infantilizing and offensive. Yeah. I was like, what?
0: For everyone involved. For everyone.
1: For everyone. <laughs> for oh, man.
0: everyone involved. Because it's like, yeah, you two, <sighs> again, this is a species that you're supposed to be making first contact with, finding out yeah. about, you're supposed to recover this item, there's so much going on and then you're going to pull this like high school prank or like middle school prank on them Yeah. anyway yeah and i think it also uh i remember reading some comments that that's also kind of like a ripoff of the trouble with tribbles episode from the original series i think something similar uh, happened okay. there where they like sent an annoying thing over to another ship So, yet again, it's like, guys, this is a different show. Can you please do one episode that's just an original fucking idea? (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) No. No,
1: No. we can't. No. Not in season one, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. This episode was just, it was odd because, again, we have the obsession with, like, 18th century or 19th century European history With like Mm -hmm. a little bit of Chinese history thrown in there just to like make it seem not totally Eurocentric. And then we just have a story that makes no sense. And characters who don't really seem to be acting from any particular motive. um, Yeah, it's just, it is a bizarre episode.
0: It's very bizarre. (laughs)
1: And I feel like there was, like, somebody who really wanted to get some anti-capitalist themes into this episode because there was some potential. But then, like, every time there was, like, a little window to get it in there, it just got, like, smushed by, you know, the Mm -hmm. tech bros, the equivalent of the tech bros who were just like, no.
0: (laughs) No. Well, and my biggest problem with race and species you know, as race in Star Trek is that... Because I was reading about this. Someone was saying this and I'm like, it's so true that all the different races are basically... The the major ones that we interact with on the show, you know, in a, in a meaningful way are mm-hmm. supposed to represent the different, like, aspects of humanity. Mm-hmm. And so engaging with them is like engaging with ourselves and kind of exploring that. But the problem is, is that... <laughs> you're playing into so many stereotypes and you're really just flattening any interesting conversation that could happen because everyone is just one or two aspects and heightened right and that's not how people or cultures are you know no culture is that like flat and one note so the Ferengi yeah like okay, interesting, maybe we grapple with the concept of capitalism, and we explore that on the show, like, I am so down for that. Mm -hmm. But what you have, instead of any kind of, you know, interesting concept that we could really engage with in a thoughtful way, you just have this race of people who are, you know, let's be honest, like the worst anti semitic, Mm-hmm. And also like anti Asian kind of mm-hmm. stereotypes yep. and these traders. And I don't care that they tried to tie it to like American, like white Yankee traders. Yeah. It doesn't overcome all the ra- all the racial coding that's happening in this episode. Yeah. You know? Um, it, it doesn't overcome that. So what you get instead of a thoughtful like us grappling with our own, you know shortcomings and our own mistakes is humans being represented as like these perfect evolved beings yet again, the patriarchs of the universe. And then all these other species are just, you know, like I I just don't understand how anyone writing the show didn't understand how racialized that is that when you take, you have these people who are mostly represented by white European or white like us actors constantly bumping into other people who are always racially coded and always being the ones like, Oh, these people are so backwards. And this is how we were like hundreds or thousands of years ago. And they just like Riker in this episode literally said, um, you know, if you kill them now and again, talking to this other white person extremely casually about them, like eradicating the species with the snap of his finger, like he was just going to kill them all. And Riker's like, Hmm. No, let's not do that. Not, like, horrified, like, oh, my God, this guy could just kill yep. people like this and not think about it. But it was like, uh, no, give them some time. Like, they need time to grow, and, you know, hopefully they'll get there.
1: Yeah, he says otherwise they'll never learn. Yeah. Like, what is that?
0: And it's like, how do you not see how disgusting that messaging is? And, you yeah. know, the Ferengi are supposed to be these big bads. They're supposed to be this this... Really, um, not advanced race, but they were supposed to be this like, wow, they're really our counterparts, and like, they're gonna be you know, this is this is a tension that's gonna run throughout the sh- this season, if not the whole show, of these mm-hmm. people being someone that really challenge us, and then they're just idiots, you know, like, they're just. Yep. Ineffective and extremely childish and yep. very animalized. I mean, at the end, they're literally grunting and jumping up and down like monkeys while Riker and this portal were talking about their fate.
1: Yeah, and like weirdly, like stroking their faces and like, you know, extending their fingers. Yeah, it was it that yeah, that was, there was so like disturbing. there's like some
0: effeminate kind of coding yeah. as well. Yep. Yeah.
1: You know, and, and, the, and you, you, know, you said it perfectly, that the idea is for us to explore part of our character, but then they never end up taking the opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think about, there's this great line where, um, where, where the Enterprise and the Ferengi ship are communicating back and forth. And the Ferengi captain says, uh, we want only what is equal. You mm-hmm. know, he says, he's, we're not looking for, a, we don't want to deal with you, we want only what is equal. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting concept and there could be a, a lot to explore. And then he launches into this idea that like you're actually really harsh because you're like chasing us down for taking something that was in our own territory. And then Picard like quotes this obscure, like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, not obscure, but like he quotes like, oh, 55 different galaxies recognize blah, blah, blah. And he does this total neocolonial colonial kind of interaction about, no, we own this. And this this whole concept of ownership versus stealing is overtly colonial capitalist. Absolutely. And this whole thing is like, um, it leads Starfleet to mistrust the Ferengi on these colonial capitalist bases. And that pissed me off so much in what I felt like is a very strong anti-Indigenous message was I thought about so many early interactions between... Um, And this, I mean, dating from the 16th century onward of, you know, European, um, quote unquote, explorers, let's call them, um, you know, European, I don't know, mass murderers, but um, encountering indigenous civilizations about which they knew nothing, and then applying their very particular set of moral or ethical criteria to something they didn't understand, and then enacting punishment when those expectations weren't met. And I saw that throughout this whole episode. And I was like, that is so fucking disturbing. And on top of it all, and this was probably not in any way deliberate, but there's this scene of Riker standing there by himself, calling out on the planet where he's calling out for everyone. And he's, the the whole idea is we're supposed to look at him as this intrepid, like adventurer, you know, Mm -hmm. to boldly go where no one has gone before. And it's it's a, to me I could think of this early nineteenth century painting called Wanderer Above a Sea of Fog, and it's this very kind of like triumphal sort of painting where we just see the back of the head. Um, anyway, I mean if you know if you want to Google this, you can and you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, but it's but it's that vibe. This early because the show is obsessed with like early nineteenth century sort of you know European culture. And, you know, of course, they'd be obsessed with this watercolor of this dude, like, standing, looking above a sea of fog, you know, like, kind of, oh, what's out there? And that was the vibe of this whole episode. And they missed all these opportunities to talk about things like ownership or, you know, like, like they, they glossed over this whole thing about the Ferengi saying, this is not your territory, you don't have jurisdiction. Um, and, and instead, like, Picard just comes out and, like, unzips his pants and wants to just put his balls on the table and be like, 55 different Starfleet regulations have calculated that this property is, you know, and I'm like, dude, Picard, this is so, un-. and it's also un-Picard. Like, it's just, it's just yeah. so stupid that he just starts quoting that instead of trying to understand the dynamic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if we were going to do this weird down on the planet thing, which I feel like was very superfluous to the whole point of the episode i mean going down to the planet sure but the whole portal thing where it's like yet again humanity's on trial mm-hmm. um to your point you know another thing that wasn't really grappled with in any significant way is like the things that the ferengi were accusing the humans of yeah uh, which you know was things like keeping technology from civilizations because they thought they knew better He's Mm -hmm. like, they have let, they have let countless people die because they didn't want to intervene. Mm -hmm. And then Picard's very patronizingly being like, yeah, you know, we make these decisions all the time. Like we decide like if our intervening on a, if we think that our intervention in a situation is warranted or not based on our values, you know? So it's like. The Ferengi by being, I, I have such an issue with this in media, I talk about it a lot in a lot of different like ways, mm-hmm. but one thing media will do a lot to seem woke, but then also be like winking at the conservatives or mm-hmm. the the mainstream at least, is to present like very leftist ideas, but then put them in a character who's ridiculous yeah. And you see this here with the Frangi, like the Frangi are making some really fucking valid points that the yes. the crew should have to like actually engage with and be like fuck, you know, this yeah. is these are some good points. And instead because the Frangi are so deceptive, they're so childlike, they're so animalized, they're um you know, like the whole interaction with portal, even while they're making these very valid statements, they're like hopping around and grunting and like right. being like, Oh, well, we'll do whatever you want. Like we let, let us partner with like, they're just like being, um, just very kind of gross. Yeah. You know, their behavior is just very like lowbrow and very just, um, Yep. I feel like there's a word I want that I can't think of, but anyway, so, so it's like the representation of who is saying these things in and of itself cancels out the validity of what they're saying. Yeah. And then you're allowed to not actually do anything with it. And that's what this episode yeah. did. Like Riker acknowledged their comments down on the planet, but like was just kind of like, well, yeah, of course. Like,
1: but he, But he kind of doesn't though, because like at the end of the whole thing, Riker goes, you have a lot to learn you know and it's and and it's just like wait what did he just tell this civilization you know you have a lot to learn you know it's <sighs> yeah like it's 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 so bad and yeah. yeah and and Riker talks he talks about like our values at one point yeah and it's just so disgusting and hypocritical and like like you said before this idea oh well once they learn our values you know
0: yeah exactly Yeah, and and just the the entire framing of the situation is so emblematic of these problems because you have, you know, they have chased down this race of people that they know nothing about based on a, you know, presumed theft Mm -hmm. um, in their territory. Mm -hmm. They end up outside of a planet that -hmm. they know nothing about outside of their territory. And then you see how the sequence of events happens, and this happens so much in Star Trek, that, like, oh, well, now our something happened to our ship, so now we have to go down to the surface. And right. whatever force is necessary to get our ship back is now justified. Yep. And it's like, but you shouldn't be there in the first place.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And it's such a neocolonial, like attitude of like, Oh, I'm exploring and like, you know, this, (laughs) this is a good quality that I'm curious and I'm exploring and I'm going to all these places. But the second I get there, if I feel threatened in any sort of way, then I'm allowed to use whatever force I think is necessary. And that's completely justified to me. And I never have to take a step back and be like, "Uh, I shouldn't fucking be here. Mm -hmm. why Mm -hmm. am I here in the first place Mm -hmm. and we'll see this time and time and time and time and time again where they just (laughs) go where they're not invited and then because they perceive something to be a threat they feel that whatever they need to do and then they always frame the person who's threatening them as like backwards in some way yeah yep and yeah, I, I remember that there were like issues with racism in the show, but yeah, rewatching this, it's just shocking how I would actually code most of the issues more like anti-Indigenous than mm-hmm. anything. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there are racial issues for sure, and there's yeah. also anti-Semitic issues, but yeah. but at the heart of it all, it's just very, very like colonizer It's propaganda. so
1: pro-colonial. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's obscene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised they don't have an episode on why we should keep statues of Columbus or something. You know, (laughs) like that's is that coming in like season two? I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say. Better buckle up.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if we watch some episode and are like, "Hmm, that's the one." Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And 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 they again, like I said before, they have this like such an awkward kind of. I mean, this this awkward kind of like attempt at, at something feminist, you know, with this, mm. is this a female, a human female, <laughs> you work with your females. And it's like, oh my God, even the way you try to do something like badly, but you try to do something so, like semi-feminist, you do it in a racist way. Yeah. Um, you know, calling back to the last episode where it's like, you know, again, this whole thing of like, oh, it's this, it's progressive because women own property, but that's like the whole thing. Um. But that whole conversation with the Ferengi and Portal is just, it's so, it's so gross. Um, and it's, it, it kind of ruins the episode for me in a lot of ways.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's very much a brand of white feminism that we're mm-hmm. always going to see in here, you know, and it's always like around specifically, it's very weird. Like, Tasha Yar is the only person they do feminism with. Right. Like, they never do this stuff with Diana, yeah, um, or Beverly. Yeah. And I really literally yeah. think it's because she's the one with like a short haircut. Yep. Yeah. And like a boy's job, you know? And it's yep. like, woo, feminism. Woo, yep. wee.
1: <laughs> yeah. Woo. <laughs> Jordy has some great lines in this too, though. I'm sorry, I'm totally hijacking. I'm totally hijacking you, but like when Riker's like, "Are you conscious?" And Jordy's like, "Do I look conscious?"
0: I know. I was
1: like, "Yeah, you, you tell him, Jordy. Do you look conscious?"
0: And what did he say too? He's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm just hanging out or something." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just yeah. like, "Obviously, I'm fucking stuck up here. Get me down." It was just I so know. funny. And then
1: earlier in the episode, down in engineering, Riker's like, "Can we do it, Jordy?" And <laughs> and, and and he goes, "Ask me after it's done, sir." <laughs> <laughs> Which is like he ran up to Wesley Crusher and was like, What should I say when Riker asks me if we can do it? (laughs) Oh
0: my God, I love it so much. Yeah, he had the best lines and the best energy.
1: Well, I feel like on that note, it's time for our words of wisdom.
0: Oh, Detail, I'm dying to know what. I mean, there were so many amazing Sun Tzu quotes, I don't know how you could pick. (laughs)
1: It was hard because, you know, you also had like, you had Data saying, fortunately, Starfleet has no such rule for its second officers, <laughs> which is, you know, definitely a good line. Um, it is no, a good but,
0: line.
1: But it, it, that wasn't the winner. Um, it wasn't uh, Jordy saying, D- do I look like I'm conscious? <laughs> uh, it wasn't Crushers, is this a male perspective? Although that was that was in the running. Um no, no, no. The, the words of wisdom come from uh, Captain Picard, actually.
0: Oh.
1: And it, they come, and I have never caught this before, they come shortly after the attempted uh, um, escape from what they think at the time is the Ferengi ship pulling them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So shortly after, woo-wee! And, <laughs> <laughs> and Picard sits in his chair and he goes, "Mered." And I crack up because Mered is French for shit. <laughs> so Picard sits down. So he down. got
0: that through the censored. Yeah, sensor and he just like... says shit.
1: And it's so <laughs> hilarious because in that moment, that is the most appropriate response. It's just to sit down in your seat. You have no clue what's You're going like, on. Well, you tried everything. You're like, well, shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, like that was our big maneuver and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That,
1: yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, I know they've like hinted at Picard's like kind of French sort of, um, Mm -hmm. background and they play on it a little bit, although he inexplicably loves Earl Grey tea, which seems very English to me and not French, but
0: I know, well, and loves to quote Shakespeare also from, uh, English,
1: very English. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah.
1: So anyway, it's, um, but Picard, I guess is a French name, you know, Jean-Luc obviously.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, you can be, you know, culturally something and sure, geographically something else. So, yeah. I mean, I guess it works, but yeah. They just want you to know he's extremely European is the point.
1: He's he, Because that's so exotic. <laughs> he's it's from like, the
0: fanciest and most cultural European yeah. countries, and that's all you need to know. So, he's yeah. the ultimate authority.
1: Well, I, I think Star Trek kind of gets its comeuppance here in France because... The The shop that sells frozen foods, like exclusively it, it sells frozen foods, and it's called Picard is the name of the shop. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, like, not going to lie, love me some Picard. They do some really nice frozen, um, you know, frozen delights. So I'm not insulting them, but it's sort of like, you know, I think that that would seem much less like sexy and European if they knew it was the name of a frozen food chain. <laughs> but... You know, it it was good to pick out some nice moments because this was just the strangest episode with the most bizarre outcome and, you know, Chinese finger puzzles.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chinese finger puzzles. I think that's the rating for this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah. This episode this gets Chinese one finger Chinese puzzle. finger. No, excuse me. A box of Chinese finger a puzzles. A box. <laughs>
0: I know, I was thinking oh. uh, we had our ratings figured out, but I think we have to add two more.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I think Data's Nothing to Write Home About should be a rating.
1: Oh, man, and that was a good one too, yeah. Uh-huh, and for sure.
0: Woo-Wee should be <laughs> our ultimate rating.
1: <laughs> Woo-Wee! It's like, that's the best episode. To... Are we even ever going to use a Woo-Wee? I mean, is it?
0: Uh, I, I, maybe once or twice.
1: <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm going to be excited on the day that a yeah. Wii comes It'll out. It'll
0: be like a big deal. It will not be used yeah. often. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think we'll have to add those to our, we'll now have a five point rating system. Yeah. Three of which are Deanna Troy. <laughs> subject to change. Oh yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And I had my favorite quotes. Of course, LaForge, that was my favorite quote. I see where you're going. We shift down, then kick hard into warp nine. Yeah, come back, fight. Woo wee! Can we do
1: it, Jordy? Ask me after it's done, sir.
0: But, like, I just, I had to watch that scene like three or four times because I was like, he just turns around and he's like, on. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: yeah. he's
0: like, oh, ah, yeah. I see where you're going. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> He had all these hand <laughs> motions. It was like amazing. Yeah. Um, but very close second was the second time that they have visual contact uh, with the Ferengi.
1: <laughs>
0: Damon Tarr says, "Your alien images shock us again, or again shock us."
1: <laughs> yeah, no. It's just like, I'm going, "Wow, you guys are so ugly." Man, are you ugly?
0: <laughs> and the way he says it too is not—he's not really emphasizing it. He just says it very deadpan. Which yeah. to me somehow just makes it even funnier than if oh, he was yeah. like, oh God. He's just like, he's like, hello, Picard, your alien images again shock us. It's just yeah. like worked into yeah. the conversation. Yeah. Oh. So good. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Do you have any last points?
1: You know, I don't.
0: I feel like I could go on and on about so many things, but like, why?
1: I know, I know. I cut myself off on some of this stuff because I was like, okay, it's it's just, it's too much.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to point out that Worf begins his distinguished career as a fierce warrior who never wins any of the fights that he gets into in his professional capacity here. Mm-hmm. Um, losing two fights to the Frangi in one episode. <laughs> oh. So it's just very frustrating and that never changes. Like I'm I just finished season seven and it like still happens. Like he's allowed to have wins outside of his position as a security officer, but he never wins anything as a security officer. It's super annoying. Wow. Even I though he's supposed to be this like, amazing that. warrior. Yeah, yeah, pay attention to it. It's especially bad in early seasons, but like it never actually goes away. He his recommendations are never taken seriously mm-hmm he fucks up his duty as security officer countless times where like it's not his fault but the way the show frames it he'll say things like oh you know i did a scan and everything's fine and then it's like everything's not fine like that right. happens to him over and over and over again and yeah. he anytime he gets into a fight he gets his ass kicked
1: <laughs> man that is unfortunate
0: <laughs> i know
1: and you're the one klingon in the place you know it's yeah, not like you exactly. can Ugh, it's yeah it's
0: humiliating yeah. So anyway, I just don't know why the show does that to him. Maybe it might be like a Deanna Troy thing where like if he really was as much of an accomplished warrior, then he would be solving too many problems in the script. Right, right. But it's like, well, then don't have him get into fights. Like it's humiliating. You've you've fed us this this idea that he's this amazing warrior and yet he
1: mm-hmm.
0: never wins any fights. It just is mm-hmm. not a good look. Mm-hmm. Um, Data. One of my favorite moments was when Data got knocked out, and he was laying there with his arms stuck out, like one of the toys in Toy Story when they're like, "Oh, the humans are here!" <laughs> <laughs> Amazing.
1: And when he's like super cash during that whole fight scene, he's like, "Oh, careful, Commander! They're a little bit stronger than they might appear." And he's like, <laughs> like holding I, the dude I, out I
0: know, with one <laughs> arm. <laughs> And then Riker, and then he gets, um, he gets like knocked out or whatever anyway, and, and Data's just like, he just makes his face like, I told you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you <know?
0: laughs> yeah data, oh, data was extremely human and very yep. autistic in this episode, like constantly getting cut off, constantly getting yelled at for saying the wrong things,
1: mm-hmm. making
0: these weird asides and like statements that were like inappropriate, with, like no awareness of decorum. Like when they were they were talking to the Ferengi and he leaned over and whispered something yeah. to I think They're Geordi like, or I Warf. think he heard you yeah and then the yeah. guy it's like obviously he heard you you're closer to him than Picard is like <laughs> I mean I don't know how the mic system the speaker system works in the Enterprise but it's like you're right there he can see you leaning over yeah. and saying something <laughs> anyway. It was like they had, they just like lost any thread of him being an android whatsoever Mm -hmm. in this episode. He was extremely human. Mm -hmm. And then I just want to point out that there's a trope called Space Jews. And I feel like the Fringy very much fall into this trope. Uh, And it's... What it sounds like, it's basically you create this alien race that have a bunch of, um, like, anti-Semitic stereotypes, but you use the fact that they're an alien race to try to, like, sneak those by as if they're okay. Mm. But then that's what it is. And it's very common, like, there's a ton in Star Wars, there's, like, all over sci-fi, it's a very common trope, but... Mm. We may do maybe like a captain's log supplemental at some point where we have, um, someone on to talk about maybe Jewish representation in the show. Um, but it's, you know, it's especially pernicious because uh, granted the representation of Ferengi get better over Mm -hmm. the years that I would never say that they're not somewhat problematic, but they're not this bad, Mm -hmm. for the span of the whole series and in deep space nine from what i understand it's much better yeah um but you know like the are played by a lot of jewish actors so it like it's just very weird (laughs) the whole Mm. thing is very like it just seems so fucking overt that i don't know how this got past the writer's room
1: yeah yeah, but the, I mean but that as with so much in this season and I think you know I mean that's the that's some of the pitfalls when you're trying to go into this type of a show where you're going to talk about this this group that is essentially colonizers you mm-hmm. know even though again we've talked about how a lot of people push back so hard on that but you know essentially how else do you write this show um and you know we could have done it No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I mean, Um, I think we could. Yeah, but but it's just, it's kind of like, it's like they went into the project eyes totally closed tight as opposed to eyes wide open, you know? Because I could see if they made some like, if they made some miscalculations that are like kind of forgivable, like, ah, yeah, I see where they were going and it was just a really big misstep or... Mm, you know, in the context, I guess it, it makes sense that they would have had that error, but this is just like, no, this is just really bad. Like there's, yeah, it's there's just not like, excuse. This is
0: what you actually think, you know? Yeah. 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 It's kind of like with the feminism stuff, for some reason that doesn't bother me as much
1: because mm. that
0: does feel, it, it, it is problematic. Like, don't get me wrong. For sure. But, but it's very it era specific. Like, yeah. And well mm-hmm. it feels like they're trying you know, mm-hmm. but like this, I don't know, this in the last episode is just like very blatant, blatant, like racism and like yeah. colonial mindset. I just in a show that's supposed to be all progressive and. Yep. Yep. And and I think what especially bothers me because it came up in this fucking episode as well is that. And like, again, I just watched, you know, I just finished a, a season seven just so I kind of know the whole arc of the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's an episode in season seven where Picard literally gets called out on his um, ancestry being part of colonizing indigenous people. Mm. And he like disavows any responsibility for that. So it's it's not just an early seasons issue, I guess is my point. Like, we're going to yeah. see this, like, settler messaging yeah. will hold true throughout. And it's just really upsetting. You know, it's, it's hard to grapple with because there are so many things I like about the show. And I'm excited to get in episodes where, like, we can celebrate some of that stuff. But, mm-hmm. like, we do also just have to acknowledge that it's it's the viewpoint that they're coming from and it's the one that they stick with the whole time. You know, it's very much thinking this like white Eurocentric like colonial perspective of being post everything and therefore not having to answer for anything or looking at how they're not actually post anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's such a good point. Yeah. It's like, like Riker says in this episode, like, oh, this is like us 200 years ago or whatever, you know, just in this very, like, paternalistic way. Um, yeah, you're right. And they and they use that as an out every time that they do something that is, you know, actually, um, you know, kind of monstrous in the way that, like you said, they were talking about the fate of a whole, you know, ship and its crew. And Riker's like, nah, you know, let them learn a lesson. Yeah. And, and that whole kind of patronizing, paternalistic, neocolonial tone, it just sticks in throughout a lot of the episodes
0: yeah and it just feels very anti-landback
1: anti-reparations
0: you know anti because there's never the the way that it's addressed throughout is always framed as these were things we've done in the past but we don't do them anymore but there's never a conversation of like well how did you repair that damage yeah what did you do to actually heal that with the people that you wronged like they never talk about like oh like on earth we gave land back you know and we yeah. fucking left indigenous people alone and we let them be stewards of their land like yeah they never talk about something like that where there was an actual some some kind of reckoning for what had yeah. been done it was more like oh we just stopped doing it so like now our hands are clean and that's it yeah. And it's like, and also you didn't stop doing it because we're watching you do it. You're now.
1: doing it right now. <laughs> like idiots. you're literally yeah.
0: in this episode. You're doing it, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's such yeah. a good point.
0: Anyway. <sighs>
1: so yes. Well, does it get any better next episode, Nick? What do we have to look forward to?
0: Next episode, I think we don't have anything problematic to deal with.
1: Woohoo! I mean, <laughs> woo wee! <laughs>
0: maybe that's when we use the movie (laughs) there's an episode that we don't have to like sweat our you know white asses off trying to get through
1: um
0: properly uh yeah the next episode is called where no one has gone before (laughs) Hmm. and it's the one in which our sweet baby boy Wes meets the traveler well that's good
1: I mean that's something to look forward to
0: I think this is the first episode he wears that orange sweater that used to drive me wild as a <laughs> as a young blossoming child. <laughs> so, uh, so keep your peepers peeled for that. Um, okay. Yep. But yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, we'll have to see. But I think uh, I think this one we'll be able to just kind of enjoy it and not have to go through all this more heavy analysis. Mm. Hopefully.
1: Hmm. Do we ever meet any Ferengi women? Uh, Sorry, that was a, that was a total that was a total I horrible transition. Know. I just got to thinking how he's like, we don't clothe our women, and I'm like, oh well, if that was there the n- case, never are there women. naked Ferengis? Yeah, because there are never any naked people on Star Trek, which is also weird. Like you'd think there would be more naked people in Star Trek.
0: I know the closest is when they go to that like Garden of Eden planet, Ugh, and they're yeah. wearing those like silky kind of. Little pajama type outfits, but yeah, yeah. no one's ever just. Indiana Troy's mom is naked sometimes. Okay. But yeah, there's never like a race where they're like, "Oh, we're meeting these people, and they're just naked all the time, right. and like that's their thing."
1: Yeah, like basically everyone wears pajamas all the time. Is kind of my take on on Star Trek clothes.
0: Yeah, that's that's what evolution did for us. Is it made all clothes pajamas. And that's it, which honestly does sound pretty great,
1: except their clothes
0: don't actually look comfortable.
1: I was going to say, like, I'm not opposed to wearing pajamas all day, but I definitely am not into the Starfleet uniform. Like, that does not look comfy. So It's
0: not flattering. It's not comfortable. Why would we ever do this?
1: And the shoes, like, it looks like they're all wearing, like, black penny loafers or something. I'm just like, what? That cannot be 21st century approved or 25th century or whatever. Yeah. No. Yeah. Anyway.
0: What missions are you going to do on Penny Loafers?
1: What missions are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll meet you back here next time to talk about our sweet, our sweet little special, little sweet baby boy.
1: Sweet baby Wesley. Okay. Well, we'll see you all next time as we boldly go. Bye.
0: Thanks for joining us today on our mission, comrade. To keep this galaxy-class starship chugging along, we need your help. If you like the show, consider supporting us by leaving us a good review on iTunes or your preferred podcasting app. Follow us on Instagram, share us with your friends, promote us on social media, or become a financial supporter of the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collective. Now, get off my ship.